And uh, we have been talking about the tabernacle, and we have been talking specifically on the subject of the destination in worship. And uh, I want to uh, talk a little bit more about that today. Yes, right there. Today we're talking about that altar right there, the altar of incense. And uh, I just want you to see that visual there as I'm teaching. Uh, probably won't refer a lot to it today, uh, to, the, to the picture that's up there. I just would like it to stay up there. <clears throat> and um, if you're going to pull scripture in, you can do that. Feel free to do what you need to do. But anyway, uh, we've been dealing with this for several weeks now. We have a couple more weeks, I think, to go. Uh, because I want uh, you to understand, and I believe the Holy Spirit has spoken a clear word to me about us understanding that every time we worship, in the heart of God, there's a destination. Coming into His presence is, is His purpose. And then there's something that He wants to accomplish when we're there. Oh, you're quiet. Listen, when you worship God, there is something that He wants to accomplish every time you worship Him. The Bible says that we go from faith to faith, that we go from glory to glory. Today in worship, that was a glorious experience. And, and not, not like any other glorious experience that we have had. Every time we worship the experience, for some reason, God is so multifaceted and he's so able to uh, zero in on the very need of the worshiper, uh, uh, the very issue of the life of the worshiper, that every time we worship, the experience is a little bit different. <clears throat> but yet, much the same. So I want to share with you a little bit. Two weeks ago, we talked about this, and we talked about this uh, altar of incense in the tent of meeting. And the comparison that we made, and I'm not going to make it again, and if you, were, if you care to kind of get up to date, if you weren't here two weeks ago, you should go to the website, get the um, podcast, and listen to the message two weeks ago. Um, it, will, it will bless your life if you will... Uh, pick up that understanding. But the Holy Spirit had us make the comparison between the altar of incense and the brazen altar. And we, we did a great uh, long uh, comparison there between what took place at the brazen altar and what took place at the altar of incense. The brazen altar is where the blood was shed. The brazen altar is where the sacrifice was made for your sin. The brazen altar was the place that cost Jesus everything. The brazen altar was a picture uh, essentially of the cross and the sacrifice and the spotless lamb that shed his blood. And the brazen altar is where Jesus paid the price. And the reason now I understand, I didn't understand even at the time that the Lord was putting it together in my mind. I did not understand fully until after I really studied that out and discovered that it is at the brazen altar that Jesus made his sacrifice. But it is at the altar of incense that you and I make ours. And what we have come into in our culture is a, uh, a Christian experience absent the sacrifice. We are living in a culture that puts all of the sacrifice, uh, all of the cost of the kingdom on Christ. Well, when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to you knowing God, when it comes, look at those babies, praise God. 
Three of a kind. <laughs> Precious. Angel, you're so uh, wonderful to give those parents a break and have those babies today. We're blessed to have them here. Praise the Lord. Uh, but Jesus paid the price. You don't have to work to get in. You understand that? You don't have to work to get in. Could you open that water for me? You don't have to work to get in. But when you get in, when you get in relationship with Jesus, there is this, in the pattern of worship, there is this place called the altar of incense, and there is a sacrifice to be brought in that place. And Jesus doesn't bring that sacrifice. We do. And so I told uh, Bishop Halverson uh, two weeks ago, I said, I taught on this two weeks ago, and two weeks from now I'm going to preach it. Is that all right with you? Let me read you some scripture. In Psalm chapter 141 and verse 2, May, I'm going to read several, so you can keep up with me or jump around or write it down and look later, whatever you, whatever you feel inclined to do. In the Old Testament, there's just, I picked up just a couple of references regarding the sacrifice that we bring. Psalm 141 verse 2 says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. I want, I want you, the intercessors to know and I want you that are going to submit yourself to being trained as intercessors and, and as prayer uh, persons that when you, when you come before the Lord and you bring that kind of prayer that we're going to be learning to offer to God in this house, when you come and you bring that kind of prayer, that that prayer goes up before Him as incense. God loves it. He desires it. Now the thing we learned about the incense, he says, my prayer, may my prayer be set before you like incense. I want to stop right there and I just want to remind you. The incense that was offered in the Old Testament was, they, they were given exact instruction. It had three components in it and they were told to make that incense and to burn that incense on this altar. It was to be burnt nowhere else It was never to be offered or sold in the marketplace as an incense for people to enjoy the aroma. It was only supposed to be an aroma that God would smell. Only the priest offering the sacrifice and God himself would smell the aroma that was offered on that altar. He said, don't you sell this incense in the marketplace. Don't you sell out those things that are holy to me. Don't you give them to someone else for them to enjoy. And there's places in the Old Testament you'll read that God brought judgment against the children of Israel because they offered that incense on uh, the altar of false gods or because they sold that incense in the marketplace or consumed it upon their, for their own purposes. And I just submit to you today that there is yet a sacrifice that we bring to the Lord in our prayer that is a prescribed sacrifice that is a court. This is why we want to pray. I didn't know I was going to talk about all this, but here we are. This is why we want to pray the prayer heart of of Jesus, because we want to offer to Him what He prescribes. We're living in a generation where everybody wants to bring to the the Lord, like Cain, what they, they want to bring to God, what they want to bring. Here, God, this is good enough. 
Some folks, uh, in their, in their uh, giving and in their finances, they want, they want to receive God's blessing. But then when it comes time to tithe, once God blesses them to enough, enough that there's too many zeros there, they want to bring God what's good enough. Because they can't get their head around one more zero or moving the decimal over one more place. Yeah, I'm being quiet on purpose. I'm reminded, hey, listen, we, we could make a list, and I won't because you would know some of the names on the list, but I can make a list of the people who God began to prosper, and they were faithful when he was blessing them with, with, with $1,500 or $2,500 a month in, in income, and then as he began to bless them, and, he be, and they began to get up around $6,000, $7,000, $8,000 a month, and there's too many zeros on that check, and they could no longer tolerate writing that kind of check, and all of a sudden, the very God who blessed them, they put a term around the blessing and that blessing uh, became a fleeting thing in their life. They communicated with God just how much blessing they could handle. They offered God what they wanted to offer Him instead of offering Him the prescribed offering. When Cain came and he offered his vegetables to the Lord, the Lord said, that's not the offering I told you to bring. I told you that the first fruits, the very first thing is mine. Well, just as in that instruction from the Lord, we receive this instruction from the Lord at the altar of incense. There is a particular offering that is to be offered on this altar. When we come in to worship, we aren't to bring God just whatever we want to bring Him. We're to bring Him exactly what He told us to bring Him. That's not going to be popular in our culture. We're living in a culture where churches are sitting in worship with a bagel in one hand and a soda in the other while the worship team is leading worship and there's no worship taking place in the pew because everybody's just being entertained. That is going to be on the podcast, by the way. But it's where we are today. And as a church and as a people in this nation, we've got to cry out to the Lord and return to the place that we're offering to the Lord those things that belong to Him. The prescribed offering. Well, what is the prescribed offering? Well, the psalmist is praying here because he's praying according to that instruction. Lord, let my prayer come up before you like that incense that you mixed, that you told us exactly what to offer, nothing else. Let my prayer be that kind of prayer. Let my prayer be such a prayer that it is received as an offering unto you. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. He's going through and he's saying, may my worship, may my prayer, may the things that I do be like those prescribed sacrifices when you gave us instruction and you said, do it exactly this way. May my prayer be exactly as the kind of prayer and may, may my worship be exactly the kind of worship that you can receive as a sweet smelling savor before you. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. First Chronicles 16 and 29, the instruction was given to them. Give to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Ooh, there you go. Voice of the fair. 
Give to, the, give to the Lord the glory that is due his name. Okay, the glory that is due his name and glory are two different things. The glory that is due his name and glory, just glory for the sake of glory, are two different things. He's saying, give to him the prescribed offering. You following that? The glory that is due his name is different than just, oh, good morning, Jesus, how are you? Now, now that's all wonderful. God, God wants to talk to you. We've, we've had great discussions about prayer. And I talk to God just like I talk to you. And he talks to me pretty straight. So, so I'm not diminishing that. That's, those conversations, as long as they're conversations of faith between you and God, they're very real. But when we come to honor God and when we come to glorify God, certainly when we come together corporately, any, anything that we do and any attempt that we make uh, to approach God and any, any offering that we bring in terms of praise and, and worship and, and all of that, uh, it, it comes to bring glory to the name of the Lord. The moment that our offering is an offering of worship so that we can be seen, you ever met somebody, those folks? You've seen a few of them. You remember in the, in the New Testament, there was a, a, a man, who, a publican, or, uh, who stood on the corner. And in those days when they fasted, uh, they would put on uh, fancy clothes and they would stand in the corner and they would pray really loud. Oh God, look at me, I'm fasting. That stunk to God. So the apostle says, when you fast and pray and you, you bring those kinds of offerings for, before the Lord, just do it privately. Don't do things in the kingdom to be seen. The moment that we do something in the kingdom to be seen, the moment that our motivation for giving is to receive a plaque, thank God that's not our motivation. The, mo- the, the, the moment that our motivation to do the work of the kingdom is to get the acknowledgement for the work that we do. It's important for us to give honor where honor is due. It's important for us to love one another and, and, and acknowledge one another in our seasons of service. But the moment that that's our motivation, that offering cannot be received. So he says, give him uh, not just any old glory, give him the glory that's due his name. Bring an offering and come before him and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I had a pastor in the desert when we were in the desert. And every time I say that, I get shivers down my spine. Um, we were in the desert, and our pastor would get up every Sunday, and, and he, would, he would just, out of, out of the abundance of his life, I don't think he was intending to, but he would say over and over again, lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. He just said that as part of his worship. It was always coming over the microphone. I'd hear him say, let's just lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And, and he just quoting that scripture. And, and over the three years that we were there, all of a sudden that just became a part of my life. I begin to hear that. When I lift up my hands, I, I begin to think, is there, are my hands given to wrath? Is my life given to, to anger and, and bitterness? Or, or is my spirit, is my soul full of that stuff? 
Is there, is there a wrath in me? Is there, is there a dissatisfaction in me that is displeasing, that, that doesn't look like Jesus? And then lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And I was like, is there a place in me where my faith is dim and where my heart toward the Lord is lacking? Oh God, I, I want to lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And then the whole issue of holy hands. Are, am I putting my hands to something, Lord, in my life that are not pleasing to you? Am I offering you out of a life that doesn't, that, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't look like a, a life that you can receive and that can walk like you in the earth? Thank God for his grace because uh, I'd never be able to offer an offering to him if it wasn't for the understanding that where I fall short, he makes up the difference. Yes. But there's a difference between falling short and choosing to come short. Is there a place in my life where I'm just choosing to be rebellious? Where I'm just choosing to live apart from the purposes and the plans of God or, or, or from the, the character of God? It's different. There's a difference between those things that I, that I have not become aware of yet, where I'm imperfect, or those things that I just choose not to address. And when I'm choosing not to address things in the presence of God, then I can't lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting because my hands are, my hands are dirty because I've chosen for them to be. Ooh, praise the Lord. There's some, some, some depth in this word this morning. I hope you all are mature. Well, I heard my mother-in-law preaching one time like this and teaching a little bit like this, and somebody said, well, you're just legalistic. And she said, well, guess I have to be then. Not quite like that. No, actually, those are, those are devastating words to hear. But the reality of it is, it's not legalistic to say to the Lord, I'm assuming that I'm teaching some people who want to be everything that God has called you to be, who want to be all in for the kingdom of God. If you're, if you're here and you're just in a nominal relationship with Jesus and you've just desired to have fire insurance and, and you just want to know that you're not going to go to hell and you don't really care to get much closer to Him than that, then, then maybe I'm not preaching to you. But I'm, I'm, I'm declaring the Word to some people that I believe that have a heart within them to come close to the Father, that pray prayers like, Oh God, if there's something in me that doesn't look like You or sound like You or, or walk like You or talk like You, Lord, would You just weed that out of my life? Help me. Those prayers He takes seriously. I, I really discovered in raising my children, and I've told you all about this before, how that God takes our prayers very seriously. It, it never occurred to me, listen, it did not occur to me when I was a young man and I was bringing my children and I was dedicating them to the Lord, it never occurred to me that he would take me up on that. Until Victoria came and said, Dad, God's calling me to go to Oregon. I'm going to go to another church. I'm going to go to Bible college there, and I'm going to serve as an intern in that house. And when I go before the Lord, and I'm praying about that, and the Lord says, yes, that's exactly what I'm telling her. Release her to go. And all of a sudden, he reminded me, you dedicated her to me. Now I'm calling you on it. He takes our prayers seriously. And we must be prepared at the time that we offer prayers before the Lord, they must be prayers of faith and they must be honoring of His desire and His will. And then whenever He decides that He's going to take us up on it, we've got to be ready. 
We've got to be ready to go and do the things that God has called us to do and to step into the places that God has called us to step into even when it stretches us. Let me give you some New Testament instruction regarding sacrifice. I told you uh, two weeks ago when we were talking about this, this altar, it is, not, it is not the brazen altar that sits before the throne of God. It is the altar of incense. When you read uh, in, in the, 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 the uh, instruction to Moses was build this tabernacle exactly as I give you instruction to build it. And, and the instruction was that this is a pattern. This is a, a patterned after, and we see in the New Testament, we gain understanding that this is a pattern of the things that are in heaven. And then I was reading the other day, and, uh, and the scripture talks about the altar that is before the Lord. And the, and the, the, the uh, prayers of the saints and the incense is taken and it's poured out upon the altar that it's before the Lord. And all of a sudden we discover by studying scripture that this altar is the altar that's before the Lord. It's not the brazen altar where, where the sacrifice was made for our sins. The altar that is before the Lord is the sacrifice of praise of the saints of God. The altar that is before the Lord is the sacrifices that we bring to him. The altar that is before the Lord, God is not sitting there rehearsing again the brazen altar and all the blood and all the sacrifices and all the... Uh, that was done, the Bible says, once for all. But the altar that is before the Lord, the prayers of the saints, the worship of the saints, comes up before Him continually as a sweet-smelling sacrifice. So the Scripture says that our prayers are mixed with this beautiful incense and poured out on that altar before him. So I want to give that to you um, this, this morning. Revelations 8, 3, and 4. It says, Another angel came and stood over the altar. He had a golden censer, and he was given... Listen to this. I love these words. You, you know, God doesn't mince words, and he doesn't make mistakes about what, what was put in Scripture. He says, very, it was given him very much incense. Fragrant spices, which exhale perfume when burned, that he might mingle it with the prayers of all the people of God upon the golden altar before the throne. I want you to listen how powerful this is. Listen to these words. Listen to these words. In verse 4, the smoke of the incense, the perfume, arose in the presence of God with the prayers of the people of God from the hand of the angels. When my daddy died and I had such a hard time with that moment in my life and, and until the Lord and I had some discussions and the Lord explained to me uh, that, the, that all of that was in his purpose and his plan and he said to me, he's much better, he's, he's much better for you here than he is there with you. Not one prayer that he prayed for you is lost. It's coming up ever before me. His prayers are being poured out on that altar. And all of a sudden I had, I had a picture of him standing in the presence of the Lord before this altar praying for me. And I said, okay, that's good. We're good. 
me and God, we're on good terms, fine. You do things your way, you're smarter than I am. Amen? There's just, I, I, don't, I don't like the hard places of life, but God is smarter than I am. Okay. Um, Ephesians 5.2 says, Walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. God took the sacrifice that Jesus made to bring us to himself, and he didn't leave it at the brazen altar. That sacrifice that he made became a sweet-smelling offering to God in our behalf. Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Now I want to stop right there and I want to talk about the sacrifice of praise. Because I always took it, Nettie, as a sacrifice of praise was, uh, was whenever I'm coming to church and I don't feel like being here. I thought, I thought that the sacrifice of praise was, God, do you know how hard it is for me to do this today? I'm offering you my sacrifice. Praise you, God. You're worried that he be praised even though I don't feel like it. Well, get over yourself, Anthony, right? That's, what I, that's, that's how God talks to me. You know, get over yourself. Go back and read it again. The sacrifice of praise is described, thank God, by him, therefore, let us offer to God the sacrifice of praise, first of all, continually. That means I don't get a break. God, God did not cut me a break here. Offer the sacrifice of praise continually. Continually. Now that is true. It's very true. Then I'm offering the sacrifice of praise whether I feel like it or not. That's truth. But that's not the layer of truth that I want us to look at here. Because that kind of sacrifice comes in, in my murmuring. I really don't feel up to this, God. But here I am again. Don't you just love me for that? <laughs> you know what? He said that the children of Israel so frustrated him in the desert for their murmurings that he, that he allowed an entire generation to pass away in the desert so that he could fulfill the promises he made to them and their children because of their murmuring. And I have figured out that whenever I go to God, even when I'm talking to him about something that I don't like. I, my, my, we have a rule with our children. Can I use them as an example? There they all sit smiling at me. And some other children too. You can just about say anything to me that you want to say, but you better watch how you say it. Especially if you're talking to your mother and I happen to be listening. You can say pretty much anything that, need, that, that needs to be said. In our house, it's all kind of out on the table anyway. There's nothing hidden. But you better watch how you speak to that precious lady right there. Because I will clean your clock. 
You can say what you need to say, but you better say it with honor and respect. Okay, so this is what God is saying. Continually offer, to, to offer the sacrifice of praise continually. You can say anything to me that you want to say, but you better say it with the right attitude and with the right heart. So he explains, what is the sacrifice of praise? That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now, now, the pattern of prayer that was given to us helps us accomplish this because we know that we're never to approach God with anything other than thanksgiving and praise. We enter His courts with thanksgiving, right? Anytime you're going to approach God, approach Him with thanksgiving, even if you're having a bad day. Because I assure you, it could be worse. No matter how bad my situation ever gets, it only takes the Lord opening my eyes in one moment to someone else's life and what they're going through, and all of a sudden I'm like, I'll take mine, God. I'll take, I'll take this walk that I'm in. I don't want theirs. I'll take it. The fruit of our lips continually, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. God is describing for you the kind of sacrifice that he'll receive. Nowhere in Scripture does it indicate to me that God will receive my grumblings. And I've had a lot of them. And he's never received them. I've had God tell me, come back and talk to me about that later. Get your attitude straight. Oh, Lord, help me. The, the next prayer, help me get my attitude straight. Right? Because he's telling us, you offer on this altar the sacrifice that I tell you to offer. And then he tells you, offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. The fruit of your lips is giving thanks to his name. And I want to help you with that. Get your journal and sit in your chair before the Lord and write down every single thing you have to be thankful for. And then when you're in doubt, go back and read that list. Believe me, you have more to be thankful for than you realize. And no matter how bad the situation is, you can start with God with the things that you have to be thankful for, and that will help you produce this kind of, kind of worship and kind of prayer. All right, uh, Romans 8.34, Christ, Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So then you're not doing it alone. You're not worshiping alone. You're not praying alone. You're not offering to God alone. But if you get over there and if you run out of things that you're not quite sure what to say to God, you just get over there into your prayer, uh, your spirit-led prayer language, and all of a sudden you and Jesus be praying the same thing. Thank you, Becky, for that great analogy because she just took 10 minutes off my message by sharing that with you this morning. That's why, listen, the Bible says one day tongues will cease. But he didn't put that on the calendar for us to see. Because they weren't to cease in our day. Preach that in the Baptist church, sister. They'll love you for it. Now, you know what Bishop Halverson used to do, Nettie? We used to go up here to Echo and, 
and, and go to these prayer retreats for pastors in the city. And there's Episcopalian pastors, and there's uh, Presbyterian pastors, and there's every, every kind of pastor from the city that you can imagine. And I used to just be in awe of, of, of this. We'd be in prayer together, and, and the, the bishop, uh, uh, the John David, that was over that prayer gathering, he was a spirit-filled Episcopal man, and, and, and we'd just be praying together. And all of a sudden, uh, Roger would say, uh, to, so he'd walk over in front of somebody that was from one of these persuasions that don't understand the moving of the Holy Spirit, and he'd say, he'd say, you know, I think I, I'm hearing something from the Lord for you. Just so gentle. I think I'm hearing something from the Lord. If you'll receive it, can I share with you? And he'd go to prophesying. He didn't go, oh, thus saith the Lord, or anything like that. He, he didn't get over in, in his super spiritual thing that, that we Pentecostals do from time to time. He didn't, he didn't even minister to them like he does here in this house when he's ministering to you, someone that he knows. But he just gently said, you know what I believe the Lord is saying. And he would share, and they would sit there with tears running down their face, and they're hearing the word of the prophet uh, and receiving from the Lord Jesus and didn't even realize that they were receiving the thing they didn't believe in. It's precious. It's precious. I have some precious uh, missionaries who, who were taught in their, in their church that they don't believe in healing. And they went over and, and, uh, in Thailand and started an orphanage and started getting babies that were HIV positive and realized they better believe in healing. And all of a sudden, God began to heal those babies, and they had a set of twins that came in with HIV positive. And six months later, as they prayed for them and took them to the doctor and laid hands on those babies, God healed them, and they were able to adopt them out. No HIV in their life at all. And, and, uh, and, and here's people that, that were taught. that they, they come back here to their base, and they, they, don't, they don't have a conversation because they're like, you can't convince me that healing is not for today. Because I've held those babies in my arms. Side road. Ooh, pastor, get back to it. I just get jazzed about things of the Lord. Okay. Now, this is the one that we, we will end with. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I want you to hear the pleading of the apostle. I don't think, I don't think again, that the Holy Spirit was mincing words, or I don't think it was a mistake that, that the apostle said, I beseech you. I plead with you my brothers. That's what he said. Are you following that? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm so glad he didn't say dead one. We'd have been out of here already, huh? We'd have figured that out a long time ago. Shortcut to eternity. Hallelujah. No, he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He said in another place, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That within you resides the fullness of the Godhead, bodily indwelling the believer. Everything that God is has been deposited in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in you. I think we haven't tapped into that quite yet. But this, listen to what he said. This is the Holy Spirit telling us the kind of offering that's to be offered at this altar. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I worked for this lady one time, and they had this... They had this uh, 
um, measuring scale in which you could receive uh, acknowledgement or you could receive um, even uh, merit pay or whatever, and, it, and it's that you could get a, a seven was perfect. You, you just did you just did over and above your your job, and a six was was pretty good. You were right on task and on down the line. And pretty, if you're down at a one or a two or three, they're thinking about getting rid of you. And I went into an interview one time, and there were people all over all over the office getting merit pay because their supervisor was giving them sevens on their review. They're getting straight sevens, so they'd get a bonus check. And I'd go in there, and there'd be straight sixes. I said, what do I have to do to get a seven? And this lady says, nobody gets a seven. She said, you have to walk on water to get a seven. Well, I don't walk on water. <laughs> I know who did. <laughs> But this is how we present our bodies a living sacrifice. The Bible says you can receive the highest honor in God. He says present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, acceptable to God. But he says this isn't the exceptional thing. This is reasonable service. This is reasonable. It's a reasonable response to the cross. The sacrifice that was given at the brazen altar... It's a reasonable response at this altar of incense. It's a reasonable response that you offer your life. It's a reasonable response that you say to God, I give you my body. I give you my mind, my will, and my emotions. I give you every part of me. I give you all of me, all of me, all of me, all of me. I give you all that I am. I put it up on that altar. And I give you my life. We have a lot of people in our culture praying sinner's prayer, but they're not praying life-giving prayers. They're praying, Lord, forgive me of my sins, but they're not praying, Lord, I give you my life. But the apostle said, this is your reasonable service. That your prayer to the Lord would not be, Lord, forgive me of my sin. After you've prayed that prayer, that your prayer would continue and you would say, Lord, I give you everything that I am. Take all of me.